Hey, welcome to Pickled Terribles. My name's Jesse. You know, this podcast, it's been rolling along for like, uh, I think a month now. And so if you're still here, hey, thanks. I want to give you a shout out and thank you for sticking around. This fifth episode, it's the conclusion of our introduction series. And I, I really feel like this has been as much of an introduction for me as it has been for you. As you've learned more about the heart of this ministry and our passion, I've been learning how to do this. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty steep learning curve to figure out this software and you know, all of the ins and outs. It's, it's very different than teaching in front of people. But hopefully this series has been helpful for you. And if it has, let us know, because that would be really encouraging for the team at Parable here. You can let us know. Send us an email at contact at parableministries.com or just interact with one of our social media accounts. Now, this lesson for today is a really important capstone to our introduction series, especially after surviving a year of isolation and change during the year of 2020 and, and even now living in 2021. Our topic today is about communal Christianity and the importance of having Christian fellowship. I want to share with you my testimony of how I learned about Jesus' gospel. Everything that we've talked about so far has given us the vocabulary and the understanding for stories like this, and, and that's why I've, I've saved it for last. But I want to share it with you because I want to honor the Lord and allow Him to be recognized as the Savior that, that He is. When I was a kid, I, I had a lot of nightmares. And this was something that affected a lot of my life. It, it challenged my confidence. Uh, it disturbed my sleep, of course. And most of all, they, they scared me. It seemed as if my, my nightmares had a presence to them, like, like they had an authority over me. And, and it just it wasn't something I could escape from. And so as a 10-year-old, it made sleeping over at friends' houses really hard because you know, I'd, I'd wake up uh, in the middle of the night, and then I would be scared, I'd be afraid, and then I would end up in their parents' room uh, telling them how I was scared, and they, they would have to call my parents. It was a whole, oh, it was so embarrassing, so <laughs> really embarrassing, but there was nothing I could do about it. By the time I was 12, this, this had been going on for two years. I was, I was just a boy haunted with fear. I was scared about so many different things. You know, I was okay during the daytime. But once that sun went down, I was terrified because I knew I had to sleep. So because of all of this, this and because of the long amount of time, I was so tired. And I was, I was a little, little depressed and, and I was so scared. And I remember praying one night. I, I asked God, I said, God, save me. Do your job. <laughs> you see, in my mind, God existed to fix things. Like, like that was his job. That was who I understood him to be. And since he wasn't fixing my situation, then he was failing me. My perspective shaped God. And eventually, I, I reached a point in my, in my apathy where, where I, I, I didn't even care about him. I didn't even think about him because he didn't fit into the space that I had made for him. 
he wasn't fixing my problems. And so he became irrelevant to me. Does any of that relate with, with you? You know, Jesus would often say, those who have ears, let them hear. And those who have eyes, let them see. Why? Well, I had a hard time seeing past myself. My, my sight, I, I guess you could say, was I just had my eyes closed, blinded by my own eyelids. My hearing, I, I don't know, I was just, maybe I was absorbed with my own voice. I, I, I couldn't see past myself. One evening, my brother took me aside because I think he noticed my apathy and he was, he was concerned about me. He was concerned about my well-being. And so in our conversation... I think I said something that, that tipped him off. And, he, and he, he, he walked me through the book of Galatians and he told me the gospel. And I, and I don't think that was the first time I had heard it. But it was in that evening, it was definitely that time that my eyes were opened and my ears, they were uh, retuned. For the first time, I understood why God didn't fit in my box. And this understanding, it, it took me to the center of my 12-year-old being, and it, and it changed me because the Spirit of God had responded to my confession that Jesus is the Messiah, and through him, I have relationship with the Father. It, it was through Jesus that the guilt I felt, the, the shame I felt, and definitely the fear that I felt, it was through Jesus that Jesus that these things were taken away. He replaced them. He gave me an innocence. He gave me an honor and a confidence that I had never felt before. Because through Jesus, I am innocent before God. I have been given a place of honor before God. And I am protected by God. You know, it's interesting even with this divine protection, my situation, it, it didn't uh, change. I mean, at, at least immediately. I, I kept having nightmares. But I noticed whenever I would have a nightmare, I, it was different. It, it, it felt like I had a new authority over me. And, and even though I continued to have nightmares, they didn't scare me as bad. It, it felt like I had something uh, like shielding me. And, and even though the, the, I don't know, metaphorically, the, the arrows would, would still try to attack me, there, there was something keeping them from, from getting to me. I believe that my nightmares were a work of God's enemy, the, the trickster of the garden, the, the prince of this world, the, the Satan. He's never given a, a real name in the Bible. It's just titles. But once I entered into God's protection and lived in his authority, Satan had very little that he could do to me. You see, for Christians, the power that Satan has over you and me are the lies that he gets us to believe. That's why the Spirit works to renew our minds and to reset our mindset. Having a biblical worldview that is influenced by Jesus' teachings and righteous writings realign us to God's will. 
I found so many lies that I was holding on to. And, you know, I'm still finding them. The Spirit works diligently to correct my thinking and to lead me into an understanding of truth. But another resource that God provided for me was Christian community. People who each had their own story, like mine, but were also discovering lies that they were holding on to. And this community, it, it was full of curious people. We were all interested in understanding our, our Christian identities. We, we all wanted to know how a Christian life worked. Like, what did it look like practically? What did it mean to be imitators of Christ? And so we would meet together almost every day of the week to find out. And that group of people became so special to me. Some of my most cherished friendships have come from this group of people. Something that's important, but sadly neglected, is the understanding that Christian community is a vital part of our spiritual growth. Relationships, I mean, even in the Bible, they are highly valued in the kingdom of God because God is a relational being. All of Jesus' teachings about practical living (laughs) involved people. How to live with people, how to interact with people, how to deal with people, and especially how to love people. It all required a degree of honesty and openness. Now, the Bible talks a lot about relationships because a major theme that appears over and over again is reconciliation. You don't have to be in a relationship for very long before you find out that friendships can fracture. It could be something that was said, you know, maybe something that was insensitive or just untimely, or, you know, maybe it was just offensive. Uh, maybe it was something that was done, an, an action that caused harm or, or some sort of, uh, of separation. This is this is a been a problem for a long time. Mankind has dealt with this problem ever since our rebellion in the garden. This problem of of sin. And and you know, sin it's a pretty popular word, especially if you live around religious folk. But in its simplest definition, it it means failure or falling short of the goal. And people like these simple definitions because they're a lot easier to throw around because in reality, sin is a a horrible and a, a visceral problem. In educational circles, the study of sin is hard. It's, it's a, it's just such a difficult and sobering subject because everyone sins. And a a consequence that comes from sin is separation. Sin destroys relationships. That's why God hates sin, because he's a relational being who wants to have connection with everyone. God is described as righteous and holy. Righteous meaning that he is in the right. He he is correct. He is true. And holiness means he is other than. He, He is set apart from failure. God doesn't sin but mankind does. Throughout our history, God has tried over 
and over and over again to reach out and establish a lasting connection with us. I mean, we have a book full of examples. Actually, a great example is is found in, in the Ten Commandments. At the time they were given, God was establishing a covenant relationship with with a a group of people called the children of Israel. The Ten Commandments were given to instruct and promote healthy relationships. The first four uh, commandments were for relationship between mankind and God, and the other six commandments were for for relationship uh, between each other. Yeah, I'll just I'll read through them quickly, and, and you'll notice it. You'll you'll notice the this, the distinction. The first one is you you should have no other gods before me. Okay, you should not make idols to replace me. You should not take the the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't devalue me, and remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. That was that's for mankind. Uh, and God. Now, the other six for each other were honor your father and your mother. Uh, you should not murder. Uh, you should not commit adultery, meaning don't have an extramarital affair. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you should not covet. All of these commandments have to do with relationship and unhindered community. In a letter written by the uh, Apostle John, we find statements like this, whoever says that he is in the light but hates his brother, he's still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, and he walks in the darkness. And he doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Throughout this letter, which we call 1 John, the author talks a lot about fellowship. And he uses light and darkness as illustrations for relational positions. When in the darkness, you're closed off. And when you're in the light, you're, you're revealed. You're opened up. You're exposed. For example, when when I was apathetic towards God as a kid, I was in darkness because I had closed myself off to him. John said, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and we proclaim it to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Like meaning God does not sin. He wants connection with us. He's not closed off to us. He wants openness. John continues, If we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in the darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we say that we have a connection and an openness with God, but not with other people, then John says we're lying about having a connected and open life. The the connection we get to have with God is provided through his son, Jesus. And if we're in relationship with God, 
we will begin to see the world like he does. When God looks at the world and and everybody in it, he thinks, man, I love them. I want to have a relationship with every single one of them because I made them. This attitude was demonstrated by the life and sacrifice of Jesus, his own son. John said in his letter, my little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation meaning he is the appeasement or satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps Jesus's word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. Because if we look at the world through God's eyes, we will be inspired to react in a godly way. What this means is that even though we may continue to fail and fracture and and falter, Jesus continues to advocate for us saying, yeah, but they're in relationship with me. I've, I've got them covered. This doesn't mean that Jesus enables us to sin without consequence. <laughs> the, the Apostle Paul, he, he talked about that quite a bit in Romans chapter 6. This simply means that we are secure. We can live in complete openness with God because of Jesus. We, we can live in complete openness with God without fear of ruining it. And that's because God is a relational being. And relationships, they're highly valued in the kingdom of God. He wants connection with us all. And he even offers us his Holy Spirit to help correct us, lead us, and nurture us. But something else that he promotes is Christian community. It's Christian community, it's simply, it's a group of people who live in relationship together. Deep friendships can form because of a divine inspiration of connectivity. Even if you meet someone for, for the first time and you realize that they worship the same God as you, an instant connection is made. I mean, you, you might not agree with each other on certain topics, You're like... Uh, personal preferences or um, politics, but you both live out the same confession that Jesus is Lord and through him, we have relationship with the Father. Christian community, I I want to add this, Christian community is not meant to create uniformity. Everyone is not meant to become identical. Rather, Christian community It's meant to create unity where differences live in harmony together. 
you can't have harmony without differences. I mean, uh, think, think of a choir singing. This is a vital part of our spiritual growth, opening up to each other, building each other up, encouraging each other, correcting each other. These are all important things for developing a life that's molded by Jesus' teachings. You, you know, I, I would go so far to say that you cannot fully live out Jesus' teachings without living in Christian community. So, uh, practically speaking, what does that look like? I mean, especially right now in the, in the years of COVID-19. It, it requires an intentionality. Honestly, I think the best advice I could give you is to pray. Go to God first and ask for help in finding peers, other Christians who are as intentional as you, who are devoted to uncovering the lies that they still live with. Because Remember, for Christians, the power that Satan can, can have over you and me are the lies that he gets us to believe. The Spirit works to correct our thinking and renew our minds, but Christian community has a role in that too. Everyone comes with their own story. Every Christian has experienced God's grace uniquely. And together, we're able to build each other up in our spiritual growth by encouraging each other and and pointing out truth. Now, I, I should add this, I, I know that this can be difficult. It could be hard just because of, of logistics. I, I mean, maybe it's not possible for you to have social interaction during this pandemic. Or maybe you've tried in the past. Maybe you've tried opening up and, ha- and have been hurt. The consequence of sin, it, it is, it's encountered every day. These are very real obstacles that can get in the way of community, personal reservation or external limitation. That's why I advise you to pray. Bring your concerns and your worries to God. We know that from the Bible, we know that God wants us to have community with each other. And if we align ourselves with his will, then we will find others who have done the same. We must be intentional. We also, <laughs> we also need to have compassion for each other because we all need grace. To be clear, you don't have to, to find a group of people and then share your, your deepest and darkest secrets with a, a whole community of people. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to do that. But you do need to live in the light. Don't cut yourself off from others and live in in darkness, as, as John would say. Find people who can build you up, but also find people that you can help. We should live out our faith with others. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. This episode is the conclusion of our introduction series. I hope it's helped you and and that it can be a resource for you in your spiritual growth. If you have any questions or if you want to have a further discussion, you can reach out to us at 
parableministries.com forward slash contact. Or you can just email us directly at contact at parableministries.com. We'd, we'd love to hear your feedback, uh, especially as, as we're continuing on now into a new series that starts next week. <laughs> this, this next series, it, it, it's a lot shorter. It, it's a small collection of, of lessons. But I'm pretty excited for it because it's, it's, a, it's a unique take on some, some bad practices that we as Christians sometimes uh, uh, practice. It'll be great. You'll love it. But I can't wait for you to join us uh, next week. And until then, uh, thank you again for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day.